Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. I am the host of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 every single day, 3 to 6 p.m. Used to cover the team on the beat for 106.7 The Fan as well. Logan, of course, played 10 years in the league, six in Washington. And Logan, uh, we have plenty to talk about. Uh, This could have been a pretty meaningless week, uh, (laughs) but it, it... it gets some meaning now that uh, the rookie quarterback, the only quarterback that's going to be under contract in 2023 for this team, or that is currently under contract for this team in 2023, is going to be the starter. Sam Howell does get the nod. Initially, it was going to be Taylor Heineke. Ron Rivera had multiple conversations with folks around the building, including with Taylor. And then ultimately, uh, you know, he's like, eh, let's, let's actually start Sam. Uh, yeah. And so what... I guess, first of all, before we get into how the decisions made, the process, whether that was sound and what that means moving forward and some of the other pieces, including Taylor, who were affected by this, what do you think of the decision itself now that it's been made? Because you were someone who was hesitant to do this. I think also understood why it might ultimately be the right thing, but right. you had you had reservations. Now that this has been done, like what do you think of the actual decision to start Sam Howell in week 18 for Washington? Yeah, I think, you know, looking back on, you know, like when Haley, when Taylor was going to start, I didn't have a problem with that. I thought that was fine. You know, start Taylor. And then when it was like, oh, Taylor and Sam would play, I thought, you know, that's probably the best situation, right? Let Taylor kind of soften the waters, let Heineke or let Howell get a feel for, you know, what's going on in the game that, you know, hopefully in the second half of that game, they've taken Micah Parsons out. They've taken some of their big defensive pieces out. They've chilled out what they're going to do. And I know people are like, well, you're not getting a true evaluation. And my point to you is if he plays against the starting defense, you're not getting a true evaluation either. Cause he's going to look, he's going to look like he's in deep water and doesn't know how to swim. I, that That's kind of what my gut tells me. I hope he comes and balls out. I hope he breaks. I hope everyone kind of throws this back in my face. And was like, Logan, you're an idiot for saying that. But oh, the comments are so ready for that. They are yeah. like unbelievably ready for that. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm, 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 I'm ready. Like you Howellians yeah. out there, bring it. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> but just from what I saw of him in preseason, how little he's practiced with the starting group, I think is another variable here that needs to be considered. Like this is a very good Dallas defense. So that was kind of my thought was like, let him get the second half. He'll have a full half of, of beta from Taylor of like what they're doing, how they're disguising stuff, how they're matching certain formations, all those kind of things. And then obviously like things happen, things change. 
um, which I think probably also makes sense, right? Taylor's going to be a free agent. He doesn't want to get hurt. And the only thing, only bad stuff can happen if you're Taylor. You play badly, um, you know, you get hurt, and you mess up your your free agency value this offseason. So I totally get that. But now Sam's going to go in there. Sam's going to go in there behind a rookie offensive guard who hasn't played at all this year and himself. And maybe B-Rob might not play. He has not practiced yet or he didn't practice yesterday. So that is not a really positive situation for him to, to be successful. And, like, again, we'll, we'll, I guess we can kind of preview Dallas's defense. They are sharks in the water when it comes to rushing the passer. In recent weeks, they've given up more big plays because the back-end coverage has been a little bit loose but the backhand coverage was loose in the beginning of the season too, but they were just able to get home a little bit more frequently. They're still getting after people. They play a lot of five-man front. They do a lot of line stunts and picks, and they're really going to challenge any offensive line, but especially one with a new piece in there in Chris Paul. So, again, And that's still on its third center and a rookie right. quarterback setting the protections. And like that's the kind of stuff that people, I think, just take for granted that happens in the NFL then they, they don't understand, why, oh, why didn't they pick up that? But it's like, because it's hard. Yeah. Because it's hard to identify pre-snap. And the reason guys like Brady are good at it is because Brady's seen every look that an NFL D coordinator can possibly think up for yep. 20 years. And like, Sam Howell literally has none of that. He's never been under center or in the shotgun staring at a live NFL defense having to figure out who's coming. Right. And that stuff's hard. And so if he could get looks from the sideline uh, of that and on the iPads from that, from Taylor being under center, that would have been helpful, which is why Ron Rivera initially wanted to do that as the best possible situation for Sam. Although there is something to, well, hey, he's got to have his first snap eventually. And I think just get him out there and, and let him experience it. And obviously, you know, Obviously, there's always an injury factor there. Um, a guy taking extra hits, um, but guys get hit in the NFL all the time, and sometimes, uh, unfortunately, it, 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 bad things happen. But by and large, they get up, and so yeah. he's gonna take some hits. That's part of the game. By the way, when you get the ball out, you get hit a lot too. Um, so yeah. maybe, maybe there'll be some of both. Um, but that is the that is the risk, right? Is that. He's not. He's going to be so confused that he's just not going to be able to operate. And what you're going to get is a guy who just takes a bunch of sacks and you never actually even get to the throwing part of the evaluation because he can't get the ball out. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, go like, it's, it's, it's that, but it's also, like, for the rest of the guys. Like, you're exposing them to injury as well when the quarterback is inexperienced. Like, when you play with a quarterback who doesn't know what's going on, like, that's where you get those – late throws into Tampa two and the, into the flat and the guy gets smoked in the back or he throws the ball late across the middle and someone gets hit really hard. Right. So again, it doesn't, it doesn't just affect him. It affects the right. offensive linemen. It affects the receivers. It affects the defense because they have to take more plays. So like it was one of the things like I was kind of wringing my hands about the whole him playing thing anyway, but like, Dude has not played a lot this year, right? He hasn't practiced a lot this year. He went through a period, probably six weeks, when Carson was out where he was practicing more. But that's probably on scout team mostly. Like, those are not always your concepts. There's not always a, a great transfer to what you communicate in the huddle or, or your footwork or whatever it is. So his experience with this offense over the course of the season, I think Craig is probably about 50 plays. You know, and that, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, that's that's coaching malpractice." That's standard operating procedure in the NFL. Right. If you're the third quarterback, you're getting zero reps. The fact that he even got some reps is his thing. But um, yeah, I just it, it, 
him playing is it, it has it has a ripple effect if it doesn't go well. And right. part of my gut, like I'm just nervous, and I'm a, I'm a naturally conservative person. You know this, Craig. Like I would yeah, when it comes to, to football, have, you are an extremely conservative person. I would have liked to have managed my variables here a little bit better. Like everyone's like, oh, it's not, it's 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 he's going to get his first start no matter what. Yeah, he is, but at some point it'll be in a game that matters and something I have no control over. I have maximum control over this. I'm the head coach. I can literally do whatever I want. This game doesn't mean anything. So if I want to put this kid in the best position to be successful, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put it. I'm going to put him in a situation where he can kind of operate and function in a way where I can get even an evaluation. I, and I'm and I'm not doing a disservice to the rest of the team. And that's what I felt like Ron was going to do with the Taylor thing. Obviously, it doesn't go that way, and they're going to have to get Sam ready, and hopefully they can get him ready. But just think about this, man. He is a college player coming to the NFL who doesn't understand the NFL speed on Sundays, and he will not ha- take a full-speed rep practice. He will not take a, a full-speed rep in practice this whole week. It'll be all walkthrough. Right. So how ready is he going to be? Well, I guess the the question would be, like, why are you so – like, not so convinced because I know it's it's just, like, nervousness – but like, yeah. what's the concern that it's gonna go poor? Like, because the the alternative is, well, uh, actually, he's played he a lot balls. of college football. He like he played for. I mean, I mean, even something in the middle, right? Like, it just doesn't. It's not an epic disaster, yeah. right? He yeah. played four years of college football, um, in the ACC, which is certainly not even the SEC, but and certainly not the NFL, but it's it's major college football. Right. It's four year starter. Um, played against Clemson every year, which is as close to an NFL team as you'll get in college. That's Ooh. not named Alabama. Um, he did. Like he had a mixed bag in the preseason. I know you're, I actually want to revisit his preseason in a second because I feel like a lot of people thought he played really well because he was generally productive. Um, But the process I know was not good and was concerning for some of the reasons that you are concerned now. But that was also a long time ago. He has seen film. He seems like a pretty sharp kid. Um, he's got a lot of physical tools. He also has some escapability. Um, yep. So if things break down, he can run. Like there are reasons to think that it's not going to be a dumpster fire. So why are you so concerned that it, and, and slash out, like how much of this is you laying out that it could go badly versus yeah. a concern that it, yes, no, this is, I'm predicting this is going to go badly. So I, I don't like doing predictions, but I, I just go on, on past history, right? Like how many times has a fifth round rookie come in and played well? Like I can't think of any. Sure, there's not a and lot. A, I mean, look, people obviously not, talk about a, Brock Purdy in San Francisco this year. Um, and, I, and I'll say that situation to me it's so unique because it's Kyle. It, it's unique because it's Kyle. It's unique because the offense. It's unique because of how Kyle calls plays. And if you, again, like one of the things about this Scott offense is it is. Is it's challenging. I mean, like any NFL offense, it is challenging to kind of manage and execute at a high level. And Scott is a guy who kind of calls the offense. He calls his plays and expects the the kind of base concepts to get you open. He's not like actively scheming up throws. And there is a school of thought that supports that, right? Get guys really comfortable with the base offense. If they're really comfortable with the base offense, they'll know what to adjust to multiple coverages, right? I agree with that, right? But Kyle kind of takes that responsibility out of the quarterback's hands because he says, I will scheme up big plays for you. I will scheme up throws for you, and you will throw the ball ball here when I tell you to throw it here. Just don't make a mistake on the times in between where I tell you to throw it here, right? And so that's not what he's getting. And, 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 and even in the scenario I just described, like you need a familiarity with the offense to execute it at that level. And so for 
Sam, like he doesn't have a ton of familiarity. And the other thing that uh, the preseason stuff makes me a little nervous because it's like classic stuff that gets young quarterbacks in trouble. And what I mean by that is it's just being a little off schedule. And everyone thinks, oh, that's really high value add. Like look at Patrick Mahomes, look at Josh Allen. And it is a value add, but they do enough on schedule stuff to insulate them when they do go off schedule. I think everything Sam did in, in the preseason outside of the throw to Diami in the Baltimore game was off schedule, right? So it's he's holding the ball a little bit long. His hitch, he's taking two hitches when he should take one. He's taking three hitches when he should take two. And against the fourth, again, in the preseason, you can live with that, right? Against college all-stars that are not really NFL players. Right. And some of those guys aren't even NFL players. Like he's working with the third group, like, I've been in the third group. That group usually gets cut, right? Like I'm, I've been there. It's tough. Get cut. So he's playing against guys that might not be even in the league anymore, right? And so you can get away with some of that stuff against an NFL pass rush, like especially like the Dallas Cowboys. Those mistakes just become magnified, right? Him coming back to the dig really late in the down, A, I don't think it'll be there because I think the rush is going to be there. But – that window is going to be extremely tight. And so when he tries to make that throw, that's going to be a tough throw, right? When you leave that go ball against Carolina inside and the safety drops it two plays in a row, like that's an interception against a starting NFL defense. Right. And I'm not saying he can't make plays because he did make plays. And that's the thing that gets me excited. Like everyone's like, Logan, you seem so down. And I'm I'm just worried for the kid. I'm worried for him is really what I'm – like that. that's where this comes from. It's just concern about him. I want to see him because he is – incredibly right. talented he's got right. the arm he's got the release he's got the athleticism that's there it's just the stuff he showed me makes me think he's farther away he's not malik willis far but he's farther than people think and i think so, that's what gets me nervous here's the list of rookie quarterbacks who have played in 2022 so far oh, let's hear it i'm excited um bryce perkins has played a little bit for la um, okay. It obviously did not go well. They traded for Baker Mayfield, or they they acquired Baker Mayfield and put an end to that experiment. Um, Skylar Thompson's gotten about 75 attempts for Miami so far this year. He's played all right. Yeah. Um, not particularly good. Um, there's a third stringer for the reason, but he's he's gotten in there multiple times. Uh, actually, in six games he's played. Um, Bailey Zappi had that pretty ridiculous run for New England. What was, yes. like, Where? how did you have, let's go, Zappi versus Howell coming out? Like, oh, what are I the had, differences in those those dudes? I didn't like Zappy really at all. I mean, I, I liked his process, but he's like the other way. He's like, um, like footwork's good, high IQ, but like a little bit of a deliberate release, and then the ball velocity is not there. Yeah. And I was like the the kind of fundamental stuff was really muddy, but the tools are really high. So I put Howell ahead of him because. But I, if you had to play, if you had to play one as a rookie, you would have said play Zappy. I would have said, uh, in terms of managing a game, I think Zappy gives you a better game manager because he's really smart. He's been in a couple different offenses, and you could just tell he like his like that's the other thing with quarterbacks. One thing I look for in the evaluation process is how they anticipate throws because that to me is one of the best things that translates to NFL production is just anticipating throws. And usually in college football, the guys with the weaker arms have better anticipations, right? So like right. Kenny Pickett, for example, was very good at anticipating throws, but partially because his arm strength was not very good. Malik Willis, by comparison, as an absolute cannon, doesn't have to anticipate anything because the ball just teleports where he wants it to go. Kind of like Cam Newton, right? 
But right. those guys, that type of guy, Desmond Ritter, good anticipation. His accuracy was terrible, right? That was the, that was his thing, right? So Sam, I felt like lacked elite, like lacked even good anticipation because he didn't have to in the Carolina offense, and his right. accuracy wasn't great. Bailey Zappi had really good accuracy and really good anticipation, and so I think that's where the distinction comes in. Obviously, from a tools development standpoint, like Sam Howell is your guy. He's got what you want. But in terms right. of guy that is probably going to come in and play pretty good right away in an NFL offense, probably Bailey Zappi because anticipation and accuracy was was very high for him. So Zappi played four games. He's got the best like per game numbers of any of the rookies. Uh, got 195 yards per game, five touchdowns, three picks, a quarterback rating over 100. Um, oh, I guess outside of Brock Purdy, although it depends on which numbers you look at. Right. Pickett's played in 12 games, 64% completion percentage, uh, six touchdowns, nine picks. He had that one really bad pick game where he had a yeah. bunch of them go off other uh, guys' hands. Um, 76 quarterback rating. Uh, Willis has been, you know, 50% completion percentage, generally awful. Uh, Ritter now has played three games. He's sitting about 63%. Uh, he somehow that's, has no touchdowns, no picks on the year. That's an interesting comp for Sam, I think. Is Ritter? Yes, because the same kind of holes, like they're in different spots, obviously, but there were some of the same question marks. Like his accuracy wasn't very good. His fundamentals with his footwork weren't very good. And I think when you look at that game plan, which is heavy play action, limit the drop back, make the decisions easy – give clean pockets, I would be very confident that Sam would do well in that situation just because it's it's easier. But like we've talked about, when Carson came in, we were expecting uh, Scott and the offensive staff to do something similar, and they didn't. If they can kind of abide by this play-action pass, insulate the quarterback, don't put a lot on his plate, I feel better. And I think that's another reason why I get nervous is this, this offensive staff, for whatever reason, has not been overly anxious when a new quarterback comes in to kind of do that. And I know there's, there's a small sample size. It's like two games, like with Carson at the beginning of the year and Carson now. But that, again, makes me a little bit that, – that's another reason I'm unsettled because I'm not sure that they're going to be like, we need to really protect him from himself here, um, especially if Brian Robinson doesn't play. Right. Uh, will they just run – Jonathan Williams a ton in the way that they should run or should have run Robinson yeah, last week. Right. And, and that's the weird thing about last week. When you look at the final numbers, like they actually did run a ton. Um, there was like 37 carries or something like that to 24 right. pass attempts, but it just didn't feel that way. Like the game, the game flow was just very, very odd. Well, I also, to that point, like I know we're getting a little sidetracked, but one of the things that they, when they do run the ball well, or when they had run the ball well, is they had these play action pass chunks off of it. Right. None of those came in this game. So there was never like this moment where you felt like the offense was moving or had any inertia. It was very right. three yards, four yards, three yards. And it was just this slog because the passing game wasn't finding these explosive plays uh, in a way that they have, you know, like second half of New York, first half of the Atlanta game, you know, first New York Giants game, those types of environments, which is good processed offense. So I think that's why it felt that way. 
Uh, and then the last one uh, of the rookies who have played any kind of meaningful snap is Brock Purdy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Brown has played a couple of snaps in Baltimore. He's got five pass attempts. Corral and Davis Cheek uh, never made it on the field in a meaningful way for Carolina. But for Purdy, he's got about 150 yards a game. He's got the highest rating at 101.4. Uh, he's got 10 touchdowns to four picks. So he's probably had the best year. Um, Zappy right. right behind him, statistically speaking. Now the picket, I think, has been very impressive. And obviously, yeah. Pittsburgh's been winning uh, since he's been out there. And somehow Mike Tomlin's got that team at 500 going back into week 18 uh, because he always has his teams at 500 because he's a miracle worker. Yeah. Um, Last thing on kind of this part of the conversation. What do you think about how Ron went about making this decision? Clearly getting input from other folks in the building, um, deciding one thing and to the point that like he or someone close to him told Jeremy Fowler from ESPN and it got reported. Uh, and then having to circle back and be like, actually we're doing something else. Um, what do you think of the process of that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I I guess if I was making the decision, I'm not going to tell anybody like that. I, you know, like I'm not going to have anybody report on it until I've finalized my process, which seemed like the final step was talking to guys on the team. And, um, you know, like I just would have waited. That's yeah. my only thought. Re- reply to that text instead of with going to start Taylor Purdy uh, or uh, Howell off the bench uh, with uh, haven't decided yet. Still got to talk to some guys. Yeah. And I think that that Fine. I, I mean, because because, again, like that, if you work through the process, like uh, that was my process. If you're going to start Howell, Taylor should start. But then if I talk to Taylor and Taylor's like, I'd really prefer not to or let Sam start or whatever the dialogue was. I don't know what it was. And, and it you talk to more people and it becomes more obvious and you're like, okay, well then I, then, 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 then the alchemy, the math of it changes. And so that, I think that's totally fair. Uh, but just sit on it until you made the final decision, I guess would be my only thought. Yeah. I would say this. Um, obviously you gotta, you wish, and I'm sure Ron wishes he had, he had answered that text or however, you know, whether it was Ron or whoever else yeah, uh, I mean, talked to maybe, you know, Fowler's talking to Scott, talking to Zampezi, who knows? I don't know who Jeremy Fowler's sources are, uh, within the Washington commanders, but whoever, whoever responded to that, just, just hold your horses, hold your water. Fine. I would say this though. Um, and I think this is an important point, uh, that I wanted to run by you. Cause I, I think it's important. You'll be able to tell me as, as someone who's been in a locker room, um, both as a young player and then ultimately as like a, an eight, nine, nine-year vet. Um, I like the fact that he does not rule the team as a dictatorship. Uh, I think a lot of times coaches are glorified for like, he's the head coach. He made the decision, you know, man stuff. And it's like, (laughs) actually, I think making sure that you have an open, open flow of conversation with leadership on the team is an important thing of not just keeping the locker room, but like keeping the engagement and having players feel heard and not not letting the the players run the team over you but like having them be involved having it be a partnership and i think that's ultimately a good and healthy thing and it's something that clearly ron has done well enough to earn a lot of respect uh in in the locker room where most guys tend to like him from what i understand yeah um but i actually i really like that and i and i want to you know while underscoring that the the public revelation element of it was unnecessarily messy the process behind the scenes, I think, was good. I think so, too. And, like, most teams that I played for, all teams that I played for, had some type of, like, leadership group yeah. of players that, 
you know, Ron or, you know, Dan when I was in Atlanta or Kyle when I was in San Francisco, he could go talk to me like, hey, you know, what do you think about X, Y, Z? And it's not that the team is telling him what to do. It's just giving him information about the pulse of the locker room. And, you know, I always found it interesting that sometimes the that leadership group had a different motivation than the rest of the team. But mm-hmm. it is it is a demographic of people that's representative of the team, much like our local politicians, right? And they would tell him what they thought, and then he would take that information and then make a decision. So, and, you know, how much he weighs that is probably coach-dependent, situation-dependent, item-dependent, all those different things. But I do think it goes a long way from an optics standpoint just to be like, you know, hey, talk to – you know, whoever, Ryan Kerrigan about this when I was here in Washington. Talk to Ryan about it. This is what he said, you know, and I think that's good insight or, you know, like that kind of thing. So I, I think it's very – it's it's becoming more common. I think it's good. I think players should have a say. I think it's a good way to make sure you keep the locker room engaged, absolutely. Uh, and then Taylor's role in this, um, whether it was altruistic or, like, selfish, either way, it's Taylor gets to come out of this yeah. and just be like – yeah, I don't, I don't really need to play. Um, right. Go start Sam. Um, right. And the motivation, I mean, he could have both. Like we've all been in situations where yeah, like, like it's the not... best thing for someone else is also the best thing for me. And that makes it a really easy decision. Right. It's like a pretty easy conversation. Hey, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't need this. Uh, go ahead and go ahead and start Sam. He deserves it. All right, see you, Ron. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever version of that conversation and Ron, you know, I will give Ron this credit, like at the podium, at least publicly, he was, he, he made Taylor sound like, uh, a great teammate and, and all that stuff. And that's all we've ever heard about yeah, Taylor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you are Taylor Heineke in this situation and like your coach is coming to you like, Hey, um, we're going to start you this weekend after he doesn't start you in the meaningful game last weekend, considering all Taylor has done for this franchise. Um, this is a business at the end of the day. And I understand this is hard and I don't know like where necessarily along the way until obviously last weekend, clearly they could have made a different decision. But it does, like, if I'm Taylor, I probably would feel a little hurt about, uh, about how this all went down. And it's like, oh, so you're not, now you're going to come back to me. And just to think of how Taylor and Ron have been kind of tied going back to their time in Carolina. And obviously that is via Scott, who had Taylor first in Minnesota. It's just kind of interesting to me how that relationship, and like, I will admit, this is a little talk radio soap opera-y compared to like nuts and bolts football. But at the end of the day, the nuts and bolts football is played by human beings. And to me, this changes fundamentally Taylor's relationship with Ron and this franchise moving forward. And if I'm him, I'm probably ready to leave now where maybe a couple of weeks ago, there was a, there's a way this went down where I could see myself coming back as the backup again and like continuing to make Washington my long-term home. Like if I'm him, I'm, I'm good after the season. I, I want a fresh start somewhere else. Right. And I don't, so I've been, uh, and I can only speak on my experience with regards mm-hmm. to this stuff, right? I can't. Uh, so right. I appreciate your experience. I have never been in a situation as an NFL player. Well, frankly, for anything. <laughs> right. So there's been a couple of times where I've been the backup and the starter gets hurt, right? Or the starter misses time or I get, or the starter gets benched, but there's always this, this kind of unspoken rule when I would play that until someone better came back, I was going to be the starter. Right. So like there was a time where I was in San Francisco and I was cut from the team in San Francisco multiple times for roster reasons. And I actually moved back to my house and someone got hurt. And then they flew me back out and I re-signed with the team and played. But when that guy got healthy, like I went back to being the two guy. Like that was just the thing, right? That was just how it went, mm-hmm. right? And um, and I do think that if Taylor 
again, this might sound harsh and I don't want to sound harsh, but if Taylor was hurt by that, right? This is a guy you gave $28 million to, right? This is a guy that obviously they brought in to play a lot of football. Like he, at the beginning of the year, he said as much, he knew the score. Sure. I think keeping an awareness of that is important. And if you had kept winning and if you had handled your business, like maybe you would still be playing. That's, that's always tough to swallow, but I don't know how you fault Ron for that necessarily or making that decision. If I'm, if I'm in Taylor's shoes, like does it hurt? Yes. But logically does it make sense? And do you have to understand that that's how the, the game goes? Yes. And again, that's coming from a guy who's I've been in that situation and I've had to build up a, a callus to that type of stuff. Right. Just know, like you have to know where you fit yeah. and that that's a hurtful thing. Like I remember in uh, 2013, like I basically got benched for or 2014. I basically got benched for Niles Paul and I had been starting and that's a hurtful thing, but like the role switched. And then when Niles got hurt, I became the starter. And then, you know what I'm saying? When Jordan gets yeah. healthy, I'm the second guy again. And it's different for quarterbacks. I get that. Right. But- well, and I think the other thing too, is like, you know, you have to keep the score in mind. The score changed. Like they were two and four and he yep. got them back into playoff contention and then in the most important game of the season, when the other guy hasn't played at all since yeah. they were two and four, you went back to him and he was terrible. And by the way, you feel like you got a pretty quick hook against San Francisco the week before. And in a game where he was playing terrible, you didn't quick hook him. You know, you, you, and, and that's, well, I think I, that's so part I'll, of it. I'll like I, I, I get it. I just, I'll wrap up quickly by saying yeah. this. Like I get what you're saying and like on a business level, I get it. And it's, I also was with you and saying that like, I didn't mind them going back to Carson, right. but with hindsight being what it is, like, I think that was a mistake. I think that Taylor, like if I'm in Taylor's shoes, I'm like, I know I would have been better than that. And then for you to have the audacity to come back to me to be the sacrificial lamb for Sam Howell now, like screw you guys. It's I, like, honestly, maybe that makes you a better person than me, but that's how I would feel. And I right. get how Taylor feels that way. And again, like I have, and I'm not saying he does, but I get it. No, but like, like I had to build, I had to build an understanding of that. You know what I mean? And like, I think Taylor has an understanding of that. And I, I think everyone says, oh, it was, it was a quick hook against San Fran. But, I mean, we were talking about that after the first New York game. We were talking about that through the bye, through the second New York game. There was talk about him getting benched in that game, right? So it was there. The writing was on the wall. Like, it wasn't like, oh, quick hook. It was like mm-hmm. three weeks of stuff yeah. talking about it, right? So that yeah. was that was there. And, and, again, you know, I understand if Taylor's upset. I totally get it. You know, I've seen guys hold grudges about stuff and, and not kind of take this – I get it, roll. That's fine. Um, and I think the other thing that's important to talk about here is if I'm Ron, and this might get me crushed, but I don't know if I want Taylor back here. No, I agree um, with this. I think I know what you're about to say. Because he's like a celebrity backup. And I don't like celebrity backups kind of anyway. Like Tim Tebow, example one. Like I talked to Grant Paulson about this yesterday. And I didn't, I don't think I realized the level Taylor Heineke had achieved, but he was saying at the game, they're like chanting Taylor's name, yeah. you know, after the first interception. And like, you just can't have that in the building. And so it might be mutually beneficial for both of them to go their separate ways. Um, but if I'm Taylor, like, and they wanted me back and they're paying me the most money, I'm coming back. Like you better believe it. If, if money talks and they want me back, I'll be back. 
but again, I'm not Taylor and he's got to make that on his own. Decision yeah, there. no, I agree with that. And the idea that is long like celebrity status or just like, cause of the kind of the legend of Heineke, the playoff game, the whole yeah. thing, or just like, Hey, that guy's played at a level enough to earn some respect. And it's like, especially if I'm starting a rookie, I don't want fans clamoring for the backup who might right. be better by the way, for weeks one through whatever last next yeah. year, than a rookie who needs to get those reps and learn. Um, which I realize is somewhat antithetical to what we were talking about earlier with Hal, but like you get the right. point. Um, you know, you, you, I, I agree with that. Um, and that's sometimes everybody can be kind of half right or even fully right and have valid reasons and disagreements. And um, the one thing I will say certainly that Taylor will do is be a great backup yeah. um, to Sam this week. Like he will help Sam prepare because um, he's a pro and, and he'll be a pro probably somewhere else next year. And, uh, he might even get a decent chunk of change to do that. Hopefully, and, yeah. Hope yeah, so. You know, if I'm him, I'm looking at a place like Atlanta to go back up a guy like Desmond Ritter, and I'm like, yeah, that's that sounds great. Yeah. To me. I mean, um, if they don't draft somebody, Desmond Ritter might be the backup next year for them. You know, they're picking pretty high, so we'll yeah, see what happens. That's true too. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your debt, your weekly source for all things commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. All right, Logan, the Dallas defense is obviously a nightmare uh, or nightmare fuel for any offense, for any offensive line. Uh, I know one of the other guys that we wanted to talk about is Chris Paul. How yeah. do you think he, like, what 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 was his, his kind of profile coming out? What are the things that get you so excited about him and then also, what are the things that are the reasons why he hasn't played this season when the guard play has been inconsistent at best? Yeah, so uh, the, the really good questions. Uh, so he was a guy that I actually, him and Tyler Smith, who was a first-round pick, mm-hmm. were very, very similar. Very similar. Like hyper-athletic, mean, nasty sons of guns. Very, very athletic. High athletic profiles. And that shows up with Chris, like, you know, I don't know what the discrepancy is between why one went in the first round and one goes in the seventh. Because, like, when you watch the film, there's a, there's times where they're almost indiscernible in terms of, like, because I think one was 75 and one was 73. And you're kind of like... They played right next to each other they, Yeah, well, they, they would kind of bounce around because, like, they, they had a lot of injuries. So, Chris mm. would move from right tackle to left guard. You know, they would just... And you're like, who, like... And, and so, it was really... I always had to check my sheet when I was doing the, the their games because I had to figure out who was who. Anyway... Um, so I, when they picked him in the seventh round, I was really excited and he comes in and I think he, you just immediately see like 
how absolutely raw he is. He's big. He's athletic. He moves well. He's just raw as all get out. And he flashed at times during the preseason, during training camp, but there were still things like conceptually that he was having a hard time learning, which makes sense because at Tulsa, he was a guy that, um, again, like I wonder about how nuanced their offensive line coaching is, how long, how nuanced their offensive line scheme is, right? Um, and so, you know, on the slide, you'd see him push through, push through number two to go to number three when he didn't have to, right? They're not bringing an extra player, right? And that stuff gets you murdered, right? Like when guards do that, like I don't care how athletically gifted you are, you have to understand that. But I think what bode well for me is that, you know, you kind of check in on him periodically. And I remember talking to you because I, I watch a lot of film. We do our Sunday uh, pregame show, like during mm-hmm. the breaks and stuff. And you kind of say, oh, some of the issues he was having earlier, like he'd be on his tippy toes in pass pro. His feet were getting flatter. You can see the strength. You see the power. You see the movement skills. You see him playing tackle. You see him playing guard. And you see the size, and you say, he is progressing. Now, where in the spectrum of progression is he at? I have no idea. He's definitely better than he was, and I thought he was pretty good coming out. I, you know, He made the team as a seventh-round draft pick, testament to him. He doesn't play teams. They see the value of him. I saw it, too. I'm really glad they made that decision. Right. But now, A guy they didn't feel like they could stash on practice squad. Right. <clears throat> and, um, and I think a lot of people around the league, if you watched this film, you would have felt the same way, right? So – good he's here it's just how close is he right it's it's like taking a jv high school player to varsity like he's the best jv player but when i've done this because i'm a high school football coach you put him on varsity and it looks like he doesn't belong other times you do that and it's like okay yeah everything's fine let's let's good to go and i think there's probably a little bit of that i do think this is a front that is going to challenge him and it's not a physical challenge because i think everything physically is like right in his wheelhouse he's strong as an ox his feet are great He's fast. He's physical. He likes to get after people. Like all that's going to be fine. He's not going to that 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 element's not going to be too big for him. It's the movement of the front. It's the blitzes. It's the exotic yeah. pressures on third down. Blocking won't be a problem. It's figuring out who to block. Correct. That's exact. That's a really succinct way of an, an accurate way of putting it. And it's and and that's magnified this week. Like if you're playing the Cleveland Browns, they they're pretty straightforward. Here, like you're going to get in five-man fronts. You're going to get in four-man fronts. The bigs change, right? So usually you have like a list of, of defensive linemen that are you're involved in pass pro. Is Michael Parsons a big? Is he up? Is Anthony Barr a big? Is he down? Like in different packages, it's different people. It's different numbers, right? And so that's a lot of mental gymnastics just to start. And then on top of the identification factor, they bring unusual pressures, right? They also do a lot of line movement, Pre, pre-snap, post-snap. So in terms of a first game out from a guy who was having struggles kind of from a, I don't want to say from an intellectual standpoint because he's a very bright guy. It's yeah. more like from a football. Identification yes, standpoint. knowledge standpoint. It's This is, again, like a big step. So I don't know what to expect from him, but physically I know he's capable of doing it. Yeah, and again, rookie quarterback. Uh, and now in this offense, we've talked about this at times this year, is the centers have gone through hell uh the center is responsible mostly for the line calls but uh, obviously a quarterback can help this week the quarterback probably is not going to be a whole lot of help because he is also a rookie um so we'll see how that goes yeah west schweitzer big boy pants bring them uh um paul is he is he a guard long term i mean you mentioned a guy that played guard and some tackle and like 
this team's kind of looking at everything I think next year yeah. as possibilities. And they've got some guys in like Cosme is a guy who could play tackle, could play guard long-term. You know, you mentioned yeah. that, that Chris Paul played tackle long-term and he's got the size and he's got the feet and he's got the athleticism. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. A big athletic left tackle sounds great. Um, not that Leno's been like the biggest problem this year, but he struggled at times. And I think that they could upgrade that position in the offseason. So what's what's Chris Paul's a long-term prognosis? Yeah, so if I had to categorize him, I'd say probably guard. I think he just struggles a little bit with that extra bit of space. I think he could do it. Like Cosme, like he, and they're different. Like Cosme is an elite football player. And I think Chris is close, but Cosme, like – his RAS score was 9.9. What's so elite, RAS? Oh, uh, raw athletic score. Okay. So coming out. So he's like, his for his size, his height of six, six and a half, his weight of 305 pounds. He had a very high broad jump or very long broad jump, very high vertical. It's 5'10", 5, 5 L, Like he is, 10 is the highest score you can get. There's been mm. two 10s in the history of the RAS score and he is a 9.9. So he's like elite. So I think Chris is also very athletic, just not elite. So that's what allows Cosby to kind of bump effortlessly between guard and tackle. I think Chris, if you needed to in a pinch, could play tackle, but I think he is an excellent guard. And I think that's one thing that's a little bit frustrating about this roster is I think they have a lot of guys with good position flex, like Sadiq Charles is another example, Wes Schweitzer is an example, but you don't have anybody who owns a position. And that, to me, is a little bit frustrating. I definitely think... They need to bring in an offensive lineman this offseason. But this is an excellent data point to say Chris Paul can be this guy at a guard spot for us moving forward. Because if he can do that, like physically, again, like you're not going to find somebody physically better than him in this next year draft. Or you'll find someone comparable, but he's elite. It's just, is he ready to do it? Because if you can plug him in at guard, see, plug Cosme in at guard or tackle, and you draft a guard or tackle, whichever you feel is better value, like that group has some teeth now you know what i mean that's that's a good looking group so even with leno coming back and, I, and that's not to disparage leno i think he does a great job are there better better left tackles yes but that just adding one piece if paul steps in becomes a very dynamic group uh what can matsko and obviously the rest of the staff do to help this line out this weekend from a protection standpoint help howl out help paul out like whether it's simplifying whether it's complicating right. uh, what what are some like this is the type of thing that you'll only get on not just a podcast but this podcast like right. let's talk protection this is right. this is logan paulson's dream offensive line talk how do, <laughs> how do we how, how do they they keep howl upright and how do they keep uh paul insulated yeah, so I think the knee-jerk reaction is to say, keep it simple, stupid, right? Don't put a lot out there because then you have a lot of – so that's the thing is you have your – let's say you got two plays, right? You can own those two plays, right, because the defense is going to run. We just talked about the multitude of issues that the, the Dallas Cowboys are going to bring, the five-man front, the four-man front, the targeting. So you can own those two elements, right? But then I say I got five. Now I got to know five plays in addition to – five adjustments to those plays and five different defensive looks. So all of a sudden that becomes like 75 variations that I have to know. So keep it tight, right? Find things that they do well. And really, I think the, the most important variable is just manage the game. Be okay being conservative. Don't put either one of those players in high leverage situations. Just if you, I, I know game flow dictates certain things, but let's say it's, let's say it's third and 12. Call a draw. Yeah. Call a draw. Like, just don't 
Don't get in a five-step college Jared draw. Jared Patterson, college your time has come. Yeah, college draw, college screen. You know, throw a quick game, throw a slant. If you want to get really ballsy, do a fi- do a three-step from the gun, which plays like a five-step. You should be able to get the ball out, right? Don't do a seven-step deep ass drop and try to launch that football down the field. Just don't do that. Like that. That's what I'm saying. Manage your risk in those situations because knowing knowing what Dallas does defensively, knowing who's going to be playing guard. And knowing who's at quarterback, the variables of negative outcomes just start to stack exponentially in those situations. Yeah, definitely. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman here, Logan Paulson there. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe, whether this is the clip you're watching on my YouTube page at Craig Hoffman or the full episode, youtube.com slash at 1067thefan. And of course, if you are listening to us on your favorite podcast audio platform, then make sure you are subscribed to the podcast there. Logan, last five minutes of this full episode. What uh, our last, by the way, pregame episode of the year. Crazy. Um, who else, what else are you looking for this weekend? So you would know better than me. Is Did Ron say any other rookies specifically will be starting? Uh, not that I saw. Most of the comments okay. I was peeling through yesterday were, were howl adjacent, but um, yeah. and pretty much the entire press conference was quarterback adjacent, but there, right. uh, there's a long list of guys who did not participate on Wednesday in practice so there's certainly like basically pick anybody and let's they're read, potentially just, up how, how, how many people can we count up real quick? um i can't let me let me pull it up real quick uh, okay. but i want to say it was like 10 12 guys but i can i can read through which which makes sense like this is one of the darker sides of the nfl but a lot of dudes if i'm john if i'm Payne, if i'm montez if i'm norwell if i'm leno i'm not gonna play in this game i'm gonna try not to play in this game so you're gonna All get a right, lot so of like got, yeah, so Allen, Allen, Knee, DNP, King, uh, Sadiq Charles, DNP. Actually, all these guys are DNP. There's no even limiteds yesterday. Um, so Allen, Sadiq Charles, Cam Curl, Jamin Davis, Antonio Gibson, Cornelius Lucas, Andrew Norwell, Brian Robinson, James Smith-Williams, Benjamin St. Juice, Montez Sweat. Sweat was an illness, so his is non-injury uh, adjacent. Everyone else is a concussion, knee, ankle, foot, hip. One of so those. in this game, I would not be surprised if none of those guys play. Yeah. Yep. Like, I mean, that's – so if Cam Crow doesn't play, I'd like to see Percy Butler get some reps, right? I'd like to see, you know, who's going to play tackle, like who's going to play guard, like what are those combinations? Norwell, Chris Paul, that seems like a natural thing. Um, maybe one of the young linebackers if Jamin's out, like Milo yeah. or Harris. Yeah. Like just get him out there, get him some reps. It might not be the perfect, prettiest thing in the world. You know, let Christian Holmes get another shot. I know he took some reps earlier this year, but see how that's gone. Like, I think that's that was actually the guy that I would say outside of Percy Butler is the top of my list. Uh Like Holmes, Holmes has physical tools to be a starting corner and a good one in this league. He was also a seventh round pick for a reason. So 
what is he? Is he a guy that's going to be a backup corner that you hold your breath and then is really good on special teams for his career? Or can he start developing towards a guy who at a position of need, you can trust on as either a depth piece or a potential starter in 2023. I am very intrigued by Christian Holmes this weekend. Yeah, I think I am too because he's big, he's strong, he plays his face off on special teams. Like, holy cow, he's yeah. he's an animal. And that usually those guys, that, that bodes well for some type of defensive production. I mean, Jeremy Reeves is a great example of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like – I'd like him to just get a little more confident, let him chill out a little bit. He seems – it's funny. Like, when he plays on defense, he seems to clam up a little bit and get very tight. So maybe in a game that doesn't mean anything, you can see a, a better version of him, and that gives him some confidence going into next year. So, yeah, those are the guys that I would say – I mean, um, you know, Cam Sims, like every time he plays, he makes plays. Um, yeah. And I just feel bad that he doesn't get more opportunity in this offense. Say Diami too, um, as Diami. a guy now playing with this college quarterback. Like, what's the rapport like there? And also, like, what is he moving forward? Is he yeah. a guy as a third round pick who's actually going to develop into a meaningful, useful receiver, or is he a special teams guy who's gone after next year? Yeah, and the other two guys that I think would be, and, I, and that, this is a very specific one, but Cole Turner and Armani yes. as pass catchers. More, I know they've been excellent blocking, and they've. You know, like in training camp, those guys were phenomenal, right? Really outstanding. Yeah. And so uh, to see them not kind of get those opportunities, I just – I was talking to somebody about this earlier today, just the opportunity to kind of give you some flexibility offensively. You know, like I've heard some great testimony about Armani and Cole and how they could play receiver in some offenses. Like this would be a good time to, to see if that skill set is viable and works. Um, while still keeping the game plan rel- relatively truncated, you know, so uh, and also keeping Terry off the field, keeping Jahan off the field if you're worried about those types of injuries. So I'd yeah. love to see those two guys get more passing game opportunities for sure. That is a great call. I do want to see Jahan and Terry a little bit because I think, yeah. I, you know, yeah. to Sam, like, how's he look with those guys? Um, but ultimately, yeah, keeping those guys healthy into the offseason so they can get their, their full complement of offseason work is obviously. Uh, the best possible outcome in the long term. So you got to balance the evaluation and the reality of where you are in your season. All right. We will be back on a, I guess next week is our last in season, even though it will be post season, there will be plenty to talk about. Um, I'm not, I guess we'll do a post game on Sunday, uh, give you some howl reaction. And then by the time Tuesday rolls around and we record for the Wednesday tape review pod, we'll also have whatever sound comes out of the locker clean out on Monday. And then ultimately we'll kind of do a season recap on Friday. We will then move to a two day a week rhythm for the off season, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, I guess Monday, Wednesday on YouTube, Tuesday, Thursday, and your audio platforms. Uh, so we will do that starting the week after, uh, steamrolling right into evaluation period. Logan senior bowls, not that far away. Uh, combine the month after that free agency coming up. And there is a ton to talk about with this team. So we're not going anywhere. Take command, make sure you're subscribed wherever it is you're watching and listening right now. And we will see you after the game on Sunday here on Take Command.